your brain, use that front part of your you know, the neocortex and go, okay, enough is enough. I'm no longer hungry for the next bite. I'm comfortable. I feel good. I know that if I want to eat, there's food everywhere around me. The Unbeatable Mind Summit is coming soon. And I encourage you to explore the lineup of inspirational speakers for this incredible three-day event. You'll hear from leading health experts Mark Sisson and Dr. Kirk Parsley. Be inspired by Ashley Horner, Andy Stump, and Joshua Mance, all of whom I have interviewed recently on my podcast. You'll also engage your Kokoro spirit with J.P. Sears and yoga master Gary Kraskow. This event will be an experience like no other, as we intend to guide you in climbing your personal five mountains through integrated practices and exercise. You'll also immerse yourself in uncovering your why ethos with the help of certified unbeatable mind coaches so you can design your battle plan for 2018. Now space is very limited, so register now before it's too late. Visit summit.unbeatablemind.com. That's summit, S-U-M-M-I-T, dot unbeatablemind.com. And you can save $200 off the registration price by entering the code podcast200 at checkout. I sincerely hope to see you there. Hey, this is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks so much for your time today. I super appreciate it. Do not take it for granted. I know there's so much vying for your attention that I really, really am humbled that you're here to listen. And uh, we hopefully it'll be well worth your time again. If you haven't looked at our summit or thought about com- coming to our summit, then check it out, unbeatablemind.com slash summit. It's only six weeks away. And... Uh, we're almost sold out. So there's like 20 spots left. So, And today's guest is Mark Sisson, and he's going to be at the summit. I'm looking forward to seeing him there, and we're going to have a great chat with him today. So also, if you haven't rated the podcast, please do so at iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to it, because it really, really helps other people find it, especially when they're nice five-star ratings. So again, appreciate that. Uh, I'm stoked to have our guest today, Mark Sisson. I've spoken to Mark a couple times in the past. Uh, He's got a new book out called The Keto Reset Diet. So we're going to talk all about ketosis, ketogenesis, what it means to be metabolically flexible. You know, how do you, how does he eat during the day, intermittent fasting, all sorts of amazing things, stuff that, you know, we've addressed here before or I've talked about, but honestly, you know, I'm a, I'm a caveman when it comes to caveman diets. I don't know all the uh, science behind it and I probably am getting things wrong and I'm super stoked to get the facts from Mark and Mark is a, an individual who tests things out on himself. He's very practical. He, you know, he's not a scientist you know, per se. He knows a ton and he's self-taught in this area. He's been, been on the cutting edge of food fueling, I should say, and uh, paleo diet for almost 35 years. You know, he's kind of the founder or, you know, with Rob Wolf, I would consider him to be one of the top guys in terms of promoting paleo eating through his primal blueprint and his uh, website, Mark's, da- Mark's Daily Apple. So he really knows what he's talking about. And he's an athlete and, a, and a just all around great guy. So... Super stoked to have him on here, and uh, normally I would just introduce him and we start talking, but guess what? Yours truly started the podcast and forgot to hit the record button, so it's going to pick up in our the first minute of our conversation when I looked up and I was like, oh my God, I forgot to press the record button. And there you go, you know, life of Mark Devine. Anyways, here you go. Let's cut into my podcast with Mark Sisson, and you're going to love it. 
Hoo-ya. Early on, adopted uh, the high carbohydrate paradigm of uh, building uh, building up glycogen stores and managing those glycogen stores uh, through training, through racing, and ultimately through the consumption of high carbohydrate drinks during the races. Uh, did that for a bunch of years. Became pretty pretty fast, pretty fit ostensibly, but was falling apart on the inside. I was overtraining. I was not recovering appropriately. I was inflamed from the diet that I had embraced uh, as being what I thought was healthy. And at the age of 28, just basically retired from competition uh, at the highest level to seek true fitness and health in a way that I guess we'd call it a hack today, but I hate that term. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in finding the, the ways that were the most appropriate and involved the least struggle, suffer, sacrifice, right. discipline, calorie counting, portion control, any of that stuff. It just, it was, it, it didn't seem right that um, somebody who wanted to do the right thing would have to jump through right. so many hoops to be fit. So I've dedicated the last 35 years of my life to finding out ways in which we can reinvent ourselves using the gene, the genetic potential, the genetic recipe that we all have that wants us to be strong and lean and fit and expect certain inputs through diet, exercise, uh, sleep, sun exposure, mm-hmm. play, all sorts of inputs that create epigenetic signals that turn genes mm-hmm. on or off. And so my mission has been to, f- to uncover these hidden genetic switches that we all have. And in so doing, offer people just lifestyle choices. They don't, there's no right or wrong answer here. This is just choices that I have determined for myself. And I know you have too. Yeah. Would probably be appropriate in getting you to your stated goals perhaps quicker than some of the other choices that you're making. And that's really been the, the through line here. I mean, my, the company tagline is live awesome. And I want, I want people to find that, that space in their life where they can extract the greatest amount of enjoyment and pleasure and fulfillment from every possible moment. And whether that means being mobile because you've done great things with your physical regimen, whether it means being using your brain and being being a high performance right. individual when it comes to using your brain, whether it means having a uh, a good attitude and a great mood and not being depressed, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it means for you, that's kind of where I try to figure out and uncover these these behavioral epigenetic factors that we can all embrace. That's awesome. So so that's all started out with uh, running track. <laughs> in high school. It all started out from running home from school because I didn't want to get running. the crap beat out of me by the bullies. Truth be told, so and you were yeah. from Maine. You were from upstate or in Maine, right? Which is not too yeah. far from where I grew up. Which is cold, yeah, cold, small, cold. Yeah, where did you grow winters. up? Upstate New York. Uh, oh, okay. North, yeah. yeah, like north of uh, Albany by several hours. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, so I, 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 I went to school in the never been to Maine, but I understand it's just a beautiful, beautiful state. But so is so. Is yeah, Maine, you know, if you pick the right two weeks, it's an amazing state. But. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, the weather could be pretty daunting. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say once you come to California, it's hard to go back, and that that's kind exactly. Of what, that's my exactly. problem. It's hard to go back. Yeah. I took my wife back to upstate New York, right? You know, right when we had uh, met when I was at SEAL Team Three. You know, kind of thinking, hey, maybe we'll come back here, and and I don't know if this is a subconscious thing, but it was twenty one below zero when I took her back there. And <laughs> we got on the plane on the way home. She goes, "Don't even <laughs> think yeah. about asking." Me. Yeah. Cross that off the list. <laughs> Cross that one off the list. Okay, so like you went and just you almost gave us thirty five year you know kind of span, and I wanted to to slow down and go back because so many people right still keto and paleo, even though you and I think it's hit the kind of the forefront, 
I think still a ton of people think it's really a fad or a fringe thing, and they're still stuck on, especially triathletes and runners, and they're still stuck on, um, you know, carb loading and, and you know, that, that old way of, of eating. And so let's talk about what's wrong with that. Like, what was wrong with a typical endurance athlete who's, like, literally killing himself with their food intake and their overtraining? Yeah, well, that's the two things. They're killing themselves with their overtraining. So they're training wrong. And I wish I could go back and do that differently because yeah. I trained in what we call the no man's land, the black hole of training, where I kept my heart between 70 and 90% of its max capacity mm. for hours every day, for hours. days every week, right. uh, because that was where we thought the literally thought you had to train at, at a zone that was close to where you're going to race. Right. Uh, but th- what that did is just train you to hurt and, and to be able to manage pain um, mm-hmm. and would... T- kind of tear you down over time, created a lot of stress hormones, burned through a lot of sugar, and never really fostered this amazing ability to burn fat and extract most of your energy from your stored right. body fat. And so you and, became- And also ruin your ability to recover quickly too. Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so so the, so the inflammatory eating. nature of the types of foods that I was eating, you know, grain products, lots of sugar, lots of insulin-producing type sugars, because I was taking in I'm 600 to 1,000 grams of carbs a day. Because, you know, mm-hmm. the, th- the thought is you cannot run out of glycogen or you will bonk. And if you bonk, that's right. bad for you. You start to tear down muscle tissue. So the whole thing was based right. on managing glycogen and managing carbohydrate versus learning to be so good at burning fat that you didn't need to tap into those glycogen stores so much. Mm-hmm. So the new paradigm is kind of like, okay, how do we train the body to extract 80, 85, 90% of all caloric energy requirements from fat while we're competing at a fairly high level and thereby Mm -hmm. unburden ourselves of having to continuously consume carbohydrate that we hope is going to turn into glucose because for some erroneous reason we assume that the muscles you know absolutely had to have glucose and the brain absolutely had to have glucose to run on so the new paradigm is become good at burning fat become so good at burning fat, you become what we call fat adapted and then become keto adapted. And in mm-hmm. the process of becoming good at burning fat, your body becomes good at making ketones. Mm-hmm. And ketones are like this amazing super fuel. It's like a superpower that we all have in our, in our genetic recipe, but none of us or very few of us ever use in our lifetime because we slam so much carbohydrate down our gullet every couple of hours. Well, if you train your body to become good at burning fat, if you train your body to build the metabolic machinery to burn fat more efficiently, uh, if you train your body to to do more work without expecting extra glucose, then the mm-hmm. body adapts by making these ketones, this kind of fuel that the brain can is, then is use. Is a ketone kind of like a, a self-produced fat or is it something completely different than a fat? Well, it comes from, it's it's a byproduct of fat metabolism. So it is it is one of the, one of the parts when you break down a, a, a triglyceride molecule, mm-hmm. you spin off glycerol, which, by the way, can, the body can use to make glucose. You spin mm-hmm. off three fatty acids, which the body can burn, combust actually in the, you know, in the muscles, and, and that's what gets burned in the mitochondria. That's when we talk about being good at burning fat. That's what we're burning. And then mm-hmm. one of the byproducts of that is the liver can take those, that same molecule it can, and can sh- set aside some of it and basically turn it into an alternative to glucose. And ketones are an alternative to glucose. 
So the brain actually works better on ketones than it does on glucose. Most people assume, oh, well, you know, the brain has to run on glucose and the brain devours a lot of energy throughout the day. So I better not cut back on my carbs because I'll have low blood sugar or low blood glucose. I'll get woozy. Yeah. I'll be moody. Uh, I won't have any energy. I want. I feel like taking a nap. I want. To, I want to eat a bagel at two thirty in the afternoon to top off. You know, to to bring my blood sugar back off. All these things disappear when you become fat adapted and you become good at at making ketones and burning ketones in the brain. How, how do you? How do we know that the brain works better? With ketones versus glucose. Oh, lots of lots of studies have been uh, have been looking at this for a long time. I mean, some of the studies go back decades because the first real uh, exploration of the use of ketones therapeutically was for neurological issues. Um, mm-hmm. uh, people who I have remember that from um, uh, Doctor. Oh my gosh, he was at our retreat a couple of years ago, and you reference him in your book. Um, D- uh, D'Agostino, Don D- D'Agostino. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of research uh, on the. On that, right? On brain, uh, absolutely. More of a therapeutic approach using a keto, ketosis. Yeah. So, so it's a very, it's a, it's a known quantity that the brain pre- literally preferentially uses ketones when they're available, um, mm-hmm. and and performs better. Uh, the muscles actually work pretty well on ketones. Although, what happens, which is really interesting, once you've been in ketosis for a while, once you become keto adapted, once you've spent six weeks with minimal carbohydrate intake and you've mm-hmm. kind of trained your body to be good at this, the muscles become so good at burning fat, they don't even need ketones. They just sort of spare the ketones for the brain. And it huh. beca- you, you become this amazingly efficient closed system mm-hmm. where you could literally, I'm not suggesting people do this, but you could literally go four, five, six days without eating. And, mm-hmm. and because you have enough body fat stored on you, you take that, the body takes that fat, it makes glucose from some of the glycerol, it, it burns the fats in the muscle to get you through the day and even to get you through a workout without eating. And then it makes mm-hmm. ketones, which fuel the brain. And it's so efficient. So we talk about with the keto reset diet and with ketosis in general, we talk about the end goal is what we call metabolic flexibility. It's the ability to burn fat when it's present. Or when no glucose is present. It's the ability to make ketones and burn ketones. It's the ability to burn glucose to it, to the extent that you don't create the free radical damage or the reactive oxygen species that some people would typically produce this, uh, this inefficient burning of a fuel, if you will. And the sparing of protein because the body will burn protein. If called upon, if there's, you know, if there are no other energy substrates available, but if you become really good at this, at this keto thing, you literally become a closed loop that burns fat, that makes ketones, that makes a little bit of glucose and burns only what it needs. And it doesn't burn protein. It spares protein. I see. So, so let me stop. So if you're a, if you're a glucose burner, if you're Mm -hmm. a sugar burner and you just stop eating, like I'm going to go on a fast. Yeah. Then. Is that does the body then burn protein? Is it looking yeah, it for does. protein once it can't? No, find it the does. Glucose? So that gets you back to that old bodybuilder paradigm about oh my god, I can't go more than three hours without eating. Otherwise, I'll, you know, uh, my no, blood sugar will be low and my body will seek to get amino acids from my muscles and convert them in the liver to glucose to feed my brain. Is that what the term catabolic means? Yeah, I've always wondered. Yep, I mean that's the that's the picture of 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 catabolism to a bodybuilder is, oh my gosh, if I don't carry my Tupperware around with me, you right, know, right. And, and eat every couple of hours, I will waste I away to cross, nothing. The CrossFit world has got that mindset, even with the paleo diet. I think. Exactly. Yep. 
Um, okay. Because the paleo diet for them is more one of, which is fine, it's more one of natural foods. But a lot of right. times it's, you know, quinoa and, and baked potatoes and, uh, right. uh, you know, starchy potatoes, tubers. Right. So they're having, you know, they're having 350 grams of carbs a day, but they're what we would call, you know, uh, safe starches or healthy carbs. Right, right. So you just pretty much answered one of, one of the key questions I think our, our listeners probably have is what's the difference between paleo diet and keto diet? And it's the paleo diet. You're still eating carbs. They're just they're just good carbs. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, the paleo. Right. Paleo is about cleaning up your act and eating real right. food and eating. Right. You know, uh, getting rid of sugar, getting rid of refined grains. In many cases, getting rid of of whole grains. Mm-hmm. And in its place, having meat, fish, fowl, eggs, mm-hmm. nuts, seeds, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, some yeah. starchy tubers, but mm-hmm. not eating the crap. Now, and, it's, and this is infinitely better than the sad, the, the standard. American oh yeah, diet, for sure. Not, you're ninety percent of the of the way there. Paleo is good. We're not coming out and saying we're not like contradicting the paleo uh, world and say, okay, you know what? Now paleo's out and keto's in. What we're saying is that we want to train our body to to deal with ketosis because there's some significant benefits, especially for athletes and warriors, and pretty much for everybody for healing and recovery. Right? There's long lasting benefits. So what I'm okay. suggesting is. Keto is like what we call next level shit, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I was primal, which is basically a version of paleo for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I was happy. I was, you know, I had muscle mass that I'd worked hard for, but was able to keep easily. Body fat's low. Uh, energy was great. Sleep great. You know, everything was like so good. Somebody would look at me and go, well, why would you want to mess with that? Right. But as you said in the opening statement, like I'm a, I'm a, experimenter. I'm looking for the next thing. If there's more available in terms of how I could feel, in terms of mood elevation, in terms of productivity, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to do it. So I'd been writing about keto for decades. I wrote about it in my first book, The Primal Blueprint. I'd been, I'd spent days where I'd had 20 or 30 grams of carbs, you know, for a couple of days at a time and was keto, but, you know, never really spent a long time in ketosis. And I thought, well, this is the experiment I'll do this year. I'll spend two months in ketosis and I'll see if I notice any difference. And I did. I noticed more energy. I noticed that I was able to maintain. Actually, I was, I was able to build a little bit of muscle mass, which I found mm-hmm. really a compelling argument. That is interesting. You know, decrease in inflammation. I noticed I, I needed less sleep. And I'm a mm-hmm. big sleep guy. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, if I get, if I need a half hour or more, less of sleep a night, that must be because the ketones are such a good fuel. The brain gets more work done in a shorter mm-hmm. amount of time when it's mm-hmm. doing that repair and rewiring and all this, all the neural stuff that it does at night. So if you add up all these, these, you know, added benefits that I got from my own spending two months doing what I call a reset, because I didn't, I don't intend to be, living this way for the rest of my life. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the way somebody might do a cleanse once a year or they might do a, you know, a, a training program for 10K. I'm suggesting, hey, if you do a reset once a year and reset your metabolism so you increase the, the amount of mitochondria, you increase the efficiency of the mitochondria, you decrease inflammation, you, you, you upregulate all these enzyme systems that are really good at burning fat so that even when you go back to eating a little bit more carbs, uh, which in my case, you know, there might be days when I have 120 grams of carbs, 130 grams mm-hmm. of, of carbs. But and, and by the way, Mark, that's not a sacrifice for me. That's me you know, being, I would suggest, um, indulgent because <laughs> yeah, typically, totally. you know what I mean? It's like most most days my carb intake is, I'm going to say, right around 90 to 100. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, let's stop there. Let's stop there because yeah. I think – 
because you address this in your book, and it's I've talked about it with my tribe before, so that this isn't news to them. But generally, I think you know people overeat a sh- you know just way too much in our society, and I think the three square meals a day idea leads to overeating. The, the, the portion size is, is too much. You know, the, the standard or common, you know, wisdom is that we need way more food than we actually need. So generally speaking, you know, I don't eat that much. And so I probably have 150 to 200 grams of carbs, maybe two to three times a week myself. Because mm-hmm. the rest of the time, I just don't need it. You know, right. It's not, not that hungry for it. This podcast is supported by Ample. The Ample meals aren't just protein shakes. They're complete meals, including fiber, healthy fats, as well as protein. I love Ample, and I try to have at least one a day in the morning. Now, life's crazy, and this makes eating healthy on the go so much easier. I consider it the new MRE, meal ready to eat. Just add water. You can get a 400 or 600 calorie complete meal in a bottle made from superior real food ingredients designed for optimal nutrition. It's non-GMO, no artificial crap. No gluten, no soy. Now, my friends at Ample are offering a 15% discount off your first order if you're interested in checking it out. Go to amplemeal.com and use the code UNBEATABLE15. UNBEATABLE15. Ample knows how much I love this product, and I want you to try it too. So go to amplemeal.com, use the code UNBEATABLE15 to get a discount on your order. Check it out. It's great stuff. No, that's one of the things that we find with the, with this keto reset is that you – and again, let's use this term again. Let's bring it up again, metabolic flexibility. Yeah. And then let's talk about metabolic efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, being metabolically efficient means your body gets the most out of everything you eat with the right. least amount of waste. Now, unfortunately, most people in this country <clears throat> would think in terms of I want to waste food. You know, I want to have a big engine that burnt, that revs high, that burns a lot of calories because I want to put as much stuff, as much food through my pie hole as I possibly can and not gain weight. People right. think like gluttons. They think like, okay, okay, what's the most amount of this dessert I can have and not feel guilty or not, or not gain weight? What's the most mm-hmm. amount of food I can have at a meal and not gain weight? And we kind of think that way. And it's just, it's like bizarre because that tends to get us to overeat to feel uncomfortable after having eaten too much, but mm-hmm. then to repeat it a meal later and, and, yeah. and on and well, on. And that, that brings me back to the, like where we started with mindset. It seems like a lot of people, it's like money. If people have weird relationship with money. It's just because of belief systems. People have a weird relationship with food because of belief systems that are kind of established in an early childhood, right? And so a lot of people eat f- food for pleasure as opposed to for fueling. That's why I call it fueling instead of, you know, eating because eating has a lot of different ways of, there's a lot of different ways to eat. And if you have a, an association with pleasure and you can enjoy it, but uh, you know, all your meals shouldn't be for pleasure. I don't think you, know, you should be fueling your body. Well, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there and say every bite of food I eat, yeah. I love, I, I eat for pleasure, but I know it's, I know when to stop. I mean, you know, it's like that rat in the cage who's hit, hitting the button to get cocaine every, you know, the, the rat will keep hitting, hitting the button until he dies. Um, because of the pleasure, so you have to kind of use your use your brain, use that front part of your you know the neocortex, and go okay, enough, enough is enough. I'm no longer hungry for the next bite. I'm comfortable. I feel good. I know that if I want to eat, there's food everywhere around me. I mean, look, we're kind of fighting our genetic 
pre-wiring here, which suggests that for millions of years, food was was scarce enough that we were kind of wired to overeat, to be able to, and by the way, efficiently and elegantly overeat and then store the extra calories as fat. I mean, mm-hmm. that's an amazingly cool part of, of, of being human. The problem is we're all too good at storing fat now because we're... And we're not very good at burning it off. So the other part of that equation, a million or two million or whatever years ago, was in the absence of food, which was most of the time, mm-hmm. how can the body um, thrive, not just survive, but thrive on the calories that were stored in the adipose tissue? And mm-hmm. so we have all these amazing systems. Like I said, it's like a closed loop. Like you could go four or five days, theoretically, not eat. And maintain muscle mass and be probably more alert than you are during the times during when there's a lot of food around. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd be undergoing uh, autophagy, which is a process by which the cells do some house cleaning. They literally mm-hmm. start to clean up damaged proteins and damaged fats. They start to repair damaged DNA. Uh, and all of these signals happen in the absence of food, mm-hmm. not in the presence of food. So it's sort of interesting that a lot of the cool stuff that happens to us happens during those long periods of time when we're not eating. So one of the things that I talk about in the book, and I do myself, and now I would say not only most keto people, but most people who are who are really fully into paleo or primal, is a lot of us don't eat breakfast. You know, mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee maybe, but wake up energetic because we're so good at burning fat, we don't need to top off any sugar or any any glucose things. I might have my first meal at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but yeah. between the time I wake up, 6.30, and 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll go to work. I'll get a lot of work done. I'll take a break. I'll go do a workout, sometimes a hard workout, uh, come back from the workout. I still don't eat. Go back to work and break at 1 o'clock and have my first meal of the day at 1 o'clock uh, and then have my last meal, my second and last meal, at you know 7 o'clock at night. So I have what we call a compressed eating window. In that six-hour period between one and seven is the only time of day that I really eat my calories. The the other 18 hours, I'm letting my body repair itself. I'm letting my body access fat and ketones that are being made in the absence of a meal. And I'm literally envisioning this repair process going on, this muscle-preserving, perhaps muscle-building process going on um, as a result of of being keto. And by the way, none of this is available to you if you haven't done the work, if you haven't built the metabolic machinery. If you're still a sugar burner, then you're really good at burning sugar, and that's all you're good at. Mm -hmm. So a sugar burner is good at burning sugar, which creates a lot of, again, free radical issues, free radical damage. We call them reactive oxygen species. Um, A sugar burner is not good at burning fat. A sugar burner... When they don't eat, like if you are a sugar burner, you wake up in the morning and you don't eat breakfast and you decide I'm going to fast today, you will make a ton of ketones because your body knows how to do that. But because you haven't built the metabolic machinery to use the ketones, you will spill them out in your urine, in your breath, Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. will notice it on your breath. I mean, ketone breath is pretty prevalent in people who are sugar burners and then who skip a couple of meals. Uh, Hmm. You walk into any, you know, like an emergency room where somebody has a, uh, a flu and hasn't eaten for a couple of days, they'll have ketone breath. Uh, it's very knowledgeable. And their ketone strips, you know, they'll, they'll give them urine strips and they'll be bright purple. Or they'll give them, they'll test their blood ketones and they'll be two or three or five millimolar, which is mm-hmm. deeply in ketosis. But that doesn't mean 
that it's good. That just means they're making a lot of ketones, but they haven't done the work to, they haven't built the metabolic machinery to be able to burn the ketones efficiently. And the brain mm-hmm. hasn't become used to using ketones, doesn't know what to do with the ketones, and is still kind of screaming out for glucose because that's all the brain has mm-hmm. ever depended on. Yeah, interesting. So what you just described, I've been calling intermittent fasting. And that, that's, that's generally, you know, the way that I evolved to eat. Once I started, you know, once I learned about bulletproof coffee, right? And so once I started doing the MCT and the fat in my coffee every morning, you know, I had no interest in that huge egg and bacon breakfast that I used to eat. And then I found myself really not being hungry until uh, late in the morning, so 11, 12. So I, I, similar to you, so I won't eat anything from 7 p.m. until at least... 1130 and that's often 12 or 12 uh, 12 or 1 like you yep so that's a big chunk of time and it didn't take me very long to feel pretty darn comfortable with that with that process to where it became a permanent state you know literally like 30 to 45 days I think well that's why yeah we talk about uh, in the book the keto reset diet we talk about a 21 day process to stair step mm-hmm. you into becoming good at, at, at burning fat to become fat adapted yeah. uh, and at the end of that period if you're comfortable and we, we actually have a like a midterm exam in the book and yeah. you have to pass that exam in order to earn the right to go full keto but <laughs> is that uh, like a blood test or how no how, it's know. not that, so here's the thing it's not a blood test it's a how you feel test it's can you That's wake it. up in the morning and not eat breakfast and be okay going to work can you wake up in the morning and go till noon without without eating and not have it ruin your day what's the best way to determine if you're in ketogenesis or ketosis? Well, um, I mean, now we talk about some clinical, clinically objective parameters. Like you can measure the amount of ketones in somebody's blood. Yeah, but like you just said, that doesn't mean you're burning fat. doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're burning fat. So that's why we have these how-do-you-feel tests because if you wake up in the morning and you can go a couple of – if you can go till noon without eating and be completely functional and not have it – and not miss a beat, I guarantee mm-hmm. you, you're good at burning fat. You know, you've yeah, passed yeah. the test. Um, if you can do a workout fasted and not feel ravenous right after the workout, mm-hmm. uh, and then again, go back to work and not have your productivity suffer or not have a headache, or, you are, def- you, you, that's almost the definition of becoming good at burning fat. So all mm-hmm. these are kind of, the goal is to burn fat and to become metabolically flexible. The goal isn't to win the, the contest of how many, how much <laughs> ketones you can put out. Right, got it. Interesting. But yeah. when you when you uh, do that intermittent fasting, that 18 hours, are you having uh, MCT slash butter in your no. coffee in the morning no. at least? Or are you no. not touching I have a little, I have a tiny bit of cream in the coffee just because I want to – I just don't like yeah. black coffee. But I don't, right. I don't like drinking my calories. I like chewing my yeah. calories. Right. And I would argue that when you have 200, 250 calories worth of fat in the morning, you're not really fasting. You're just – you're providing – a substrate for your body to use, but the but the point of fasting is to use your own body fat, not to not to just use some extraneous source of fat. I've been tricking myself thinking I was intermittent. Yeah. So I think people who are doing uh, bulletproof coffee in the first part of the day aren't really intermittent intermittently fasting. They're right. you know they're not eating carbs and they're teaching their body to to make. Uh, ketones from the MCT oil, and there's a lot of good things that are happening. But you know, if like one of your missions is to lose weight, then that's 300 calories that your body's going to get from your cup of coffee that it's not going to get off your ass. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is the 
ultimately we're trying to become good at burning our own stored body fat and and it's like yeah. that's the almost the, like the definition of being a bipedal human who can exist out in the middle of nowhere and look yeah. i mean you talk about seal training one of my dreams for uh, for, you know, long missions would be to have these guys be so fat adapted and keto adapted that their mm-hmm. rations aren't these, you know, MRE, K ration kind of crap from the old days. Mm-hmm. They're high mm-hmm. fat, you know, MCT oil based rations that only top off the fuel, but otherwise, you know, the guys are so well trained that they could go four or five days without eating. I'm not suggesting mm-hmm. they do that, but if need be, they would be fully functional the same way uh, a, a hunter gatherer would have been on a long hunt for mm-hmm. a for a for a beast um, yeah. a million years ago. Have, have, by the way, have you met Connor Young over at Ample yet? No, because he's created what I think is the new. I know MRE. the drink. I know the product. I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's coming out in December with the keto version of Ample, which is basically high quality powdered fat protein, and you know the keto will have very little. If you know, I'm yep. not sure what percentage carbs but obviously very low yeah and it's like super good i have one of these a day and it's got pre and probiotics all the micronutrients it's like to me it's like an insurance plan <laughs> right <laughs> you're gonna get the micronutrients for the warrior or the yeah. warrior yeah no it's what soylent wishes it was yeah it's exactly right it's what Soylent wishes it were but yeah. anyways my point is that you, you hit it right on because I, I called it an emery when i first saw it and i said you got to come up with a keto version of this because it's what the what the troops need and so I think he might have done it, but we'll see, you know? It's yeah. pretty cool. But getting, yep. you know, getting the, the, the mindset change in the military, that's, that'll be a guerrilla warfare thing because it, it'll basically be the guys using it because they need it, not the bureaucrats, you know, yep. buying it necessarily. Yeah, exactly. So th- let me clear up another misperception that I think I have is we don't, you know, are we talking about being permanently ketogenic or part-time ketogenic or are we just saying – Train your body to burn fat better. Yeah, so we're talking about training your body to burn fat better. And and a method of doing that is to stay keto for a period of time. And I'm okay. suggesting... There's six- no such thing then as permanent ketogenic. Oh, my God. Or- there's lots of people who are keto for 10 years, 15 years. There okay. are whole okay. sites. Luis Villasenor is a friend of mine who's a keto bodybuilder and has been for, I think, 15 years. Um, okay. He gets 20, 30 grams of carbs a day. And you know all the bodybuilding community would go, oh my goodness, you can't you can't maintain muscle matter, you can't build muscle on that. You should see how ripped this guy is. Yeah, you know, is there any downside to that? Not that we know of, not yet. I mean, I'll tell no, you, you know, so he'll tell you. But right now, there's guys that have been doing it for ten or fifteen years who totally, okay. you know, are totally they're so into it that they don't want to not do it. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know, now on the other hand, I exist in what I call the keto zone. So the keto zone for me is. I did the work. I spent a lot of time keto. Now I'm in this place where I'm plus or minus 50 grams either side of 100 on a daily basis. So some days I'm 50 grams. Some days I'm 30 grams of carbs. Some days I'm 175 grams of carbs. But the point is, because I did the work, I don't know the difference. I don't want to measure anything. It's how do I feel. And if I feel good and I I feel great, I feel the same whether I'm – 50 grams over or 50 grams under that average, then who cares? Then who's counting? Then what's the – other than how you feel, what's the metric that you want to live your life by? Yeah, right. I mean that gets me to this. I wanted to ask you about this awesome quote. 
you have in your book, and uh, I forget who first said it, but you can remind us, but keep everything in moderation, even the moderation, right? That's probably Ben it, Franklin. I mean, it goes back a bunch was of- Was it Ben? Yeah. Yeah, but it, it you know, it's like, <laughs> it's probably- it's, Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows who the original author of that quote is? Yeah. You know, it's like Mark, it's probably, you know what it is, it's Mark Twain, but- um, Yeah, that sounds- It was Mark Twain that we quoted in the book, but I think it was even before that was Ben Franklin. Yeah, I mean that was that's that was originally my eighty twenty rule in the primal blueprint. You know, right. strive for perfection, strive for a hundred percent. But if at the end of the day you come in at eighty percent, you've you know you're you're on your way. Yeah. Um, don't strive for eighty percent and then find out that you're at fifty. Right? right. Yeah. And that's a John Wooden quote. You know, tr- try to you know strive for perfection, but at the end of the day, be you know, happy with yeah. your imperfection, <laughs> especially if you're doing well at it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you flip it upside down, you know, it's 80% junk and 20%, you know, paleo or, or keto, then, you know, don't come crying to us. The Halo Neurostimulation System will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeatable Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested. And I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com and at checkout use the code unbeatablemind125, which will give you $125 off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use unbeatablemind125 at haloneuro.com, H-A-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com to get $125 off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. Hoo-yah. You know, the, there's a ton of fad keto diets out there. What are they missing? Are, my sense is, you know, because this is, goes back to why, like, I don't recommend people do diets just because they're too rigid and then people rebound out of that and they go right back to the crap that they were eating. What are the, is this the same thing with some of the keto diets out there? And how is, you know, how is your recommendation different than that? Well, I mean, there are a lot of ways to do keto wrong. Yeah. And there's a fair amount of ways to do keto right. I've mm-hmm. just got one of them. But... One of the things that I have a real issue with, um, there's a whole industry that's cropping up using fake, uh, you know, um, exogenous ketones. Exogenous ketones. Yeah, I've yeah, had so a few people approach supplements. me wanting me to promote exogenous ketones, and I was wondering about those. Do they really do? So anything? I use them mm-hmm. when I'm going to do like a heavy leg day, mm-hmm. or if I'm going to like, I, I typically make a little concoction of collagen supplement and uh, ketone supplement before I play ultimate frisbee every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my point to doing that is the ketones. I know that my muscles and my brain will use the ketones preferentially. Uh, and even though it won't last the full two hours that I'm doing it, it'll get me a nice jump start. And I feel, I notice a difference. Mm. Um, and then I use collagen because I'm a big fan of using collagen to repair, uh, tendons and ligaments even more so than muscle. Um, mm. anybody over the age of 35 or 40 ought to be doing a collagen supplement mm-hmm. even more intensely than they do a protein supplement. Okay. Uh, because it's really about repairing the connective tissue. That's really what falls apart when you get injured uh, right. more so than, than the muscle. Um, but So I'll do the collagen supplements. You know, sometimes 
I'll do one if if I've got a talk at you know five o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't eaten that day. I'll probably drink a a, a, um, a ketone supplement before that, just because I know the 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 uh, you know the brain operates really well on ketones. So is there any is there any risk of you know when you use exogenous ketones of of kind of tricking or preventing your body from being able to produce its own ketones? Yeah, well, that's that's the so that's the issue I have. That's why I say I would use them because I've done the work and I know I have the metabolic machinery to burn that stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I haven't done the work and then I take exogenous ketones and I sort of trick my body, um, I'm not tricking my body into anything. I'm just, I'm introducing ketones into the bloodstream. And so the body, which is a fairly intricate feedback loop, would, in my mind, would recognize an excess of ketones and the body would go, well, we don't need to make any more ketones. Right. Because there's already ketones, so I don't need to. I don't need to break down fat to make ketones. I don't need to even combust that much fat right now because there's so much ketones. Let's burn the ketones off first. So I could make an argument that these exogenous ketones, for somebody who's trying to lose weight, who's going into who, doing a keto diet to lose weight, it's probably antithetical to your mission. Mm. If you know, if you really want to lose weight, you have to learn how to burn off your own stored body fat. Right. And the only way you do that is by first creating a deficit in the amount of carbohydrate you take in, so your body's forced to burn fat, and then by creating a caloric a caloric deficit so that your body burns your body fat and, and not the fat on the plate of food. Got it. So caloric restriction and then intermittent fasting, which is... Yeah, so it's it's basically carb restriction. Carb restriction first thing is what I meant. Carb, yeah. carb restriction gets you to the point where your body starts to, to burn fat. And early... You know, in the early stages of some of these keto programs, they would say, hey, you know, fat is great. All bets are off. As long as you cut the carbs, you can eat as much fat as you want. Mm-hmm. And so people are taking in 4,000, 4,500 calories a day worth of fat, and they're loving life. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not losing weight, but they are teaching their bodies to burn fat, mm-hmm. and they are teaching your bodies to combust fat. So, so there's that. So the good news is a lot of these people who have these initial forays into keto, they don't lose weight, but they don't gain weight because mm-hmm. they're not storing excess. There's not enough mm-hmm. insulin to create the storage uh, capacity and, and yeah. increase in storage in the fat cells. So the body the body finds finds ways to burn it off through, um, you know, uncoupling proteins and right. thermic effects and all sorts okay. of other things that are not necessarily healthy, but there are, they are ways the body has, has developed to get rid of excess energy. Yeah. Is there an ideal yeah. percentage for in your world uh, of fat, protein, and carbs? You know, for a daily, you know, intake. It's interesting because I never like to look at it in terms of percentages. Yeah. What I like to look at it in terms of macros. So you start with protein, and you go, okay, what are my, you know, what are my protein requirements? Mm. Um, if I'm a 108 pound woman who doesn't train, then my daily protein requirements are probably you know 40 grams. Mm. Um, if I'm a 240-pound uh, football player who wants to be keto and is and is spending a lot of time in the weight room, then maybe my daily intake is 150 grams. Mm-hmm. But it's not much more than that. Um, mm-hmm. The body can't use much more than that in the way of protein. Uh, and particularly if you're keto, then the body becomes so good at sparing protein, it doesn't try to get rid of amino acids the way it would in, an, in a, a carbohydrate paradigm where you'd be literally taking in too many calories and the body is scrambling to figure out how to dispose of the excess calories. How do I deaminate the protein and get rid of them? How do I, do I store them as, 
you know, I keep them in, in the amino acid pool or do I pee them out or do I put them in a, uh, you know, a, a, do I combust them in, um, in the cell? Uh, do I send the amino acids to the liver to become glucose? What do I do with the excess sugar? Do I, um, do I store it in the, in the muscle cells? No, they're full. Do I store it in the fat cells? Well, even the fat cells have become resistant. Now, what do I do? It builds up in the, so all the body's always like looking at, at all of the signals you're giving it with the food and trying to figure out what it needs to do with that stuff. If you go back and simplify it and you say, okay, what are my protein requirements based on male, female, your age, your history, your goals, your size, you come to this range of protein intake. And like I say, it, it ranges from 40 grams a day to maybe a max of 150 for the most abusive, uh, you know, football playing, crossfitting guy you could find. <laughs> All right. And what's what's like? Let me say, give the reader who's not familiar with grams compared. Like, if I was looking at a hamburger, how many grams of protein am I looking at, or or a chicken breast? It's twenty five or thirty, maybe. Okay, so one hundred fifty yeah. is a shit ton of meat. <laughs> yeah, it's a shit ton of meat, and you know, you'd have to you have to work at it. You'd yeah. probably have to be taking. Um, Supplements as well, like a protein supplement yeah. in addition to, you know, four eggs and a, you know, glass of milk for breakfast. Again, a hamburger, two hamburgers for, for lunch and a piece of fish or chicken for dinner. And you'd be, you'd be at, you'd be at 150. And pe- so people who think they have to get to 200 or two, 250 are just, that's just way, way overkill. Yeah. I mean, we say it's about 0.7 grams uh, per pound of lean body mass. Okay. You know, so if you took a 240 pound, the, again, this I don't know why I picked this guy out, but I'm picking on him all, all afternoon now. He's 240 pounds and he's a football player. <laughs> but, um, you know, and he's probably got, you know, he's probably got 200 pounds of lean, lean mass. Well, 200 times 0.7 is 140. So that's his max kind of protein requirements. And he doesn't need more than that. Anyway, so you start with a protein and then you say, okay, well, what's, you know, how, how much, how many carbs am I going to take in um, based on where I want to be in terms of my keto lifestyle. If I want to be in ketosis, then for the most part, it's going to be 50 grams or less. Um, you could be a top athlete and maybe get away with 70 grams or less on a daily basis, but let's just use 50 as sort of cutoff. Well, here we've got, let's just say we say 100 grams of protein to be mm-hmm. conservative for most people and 50 grams of carbs. That's only 600 calories, Mark. Mm-hmm. So we make the difference up with fat. Now, 100 grams of fat which is a lot of fat, is 900 calories. We're only at 1,500 calories here for the day. Mm-hmm. The good news is, because I've just basically described what you need to get by and thrive, mm-hmm. you probably, literally, you probably don't need more than, say, 2,000 calories a day, yeah, even for an active, mm-hmm. you know, big fella like yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, you can get by with 220, you know, 2,200, 2,400, whatever, but... You could also do very nicely on a day of 1,600, 1,700, 1,800 calories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at my day, I have a big salad for lunch, mm-hmm. a big salad. It's got a giant bowl of you know mixed vegetables and whatever. It's may, it might have 25 grams of, of meat uh, or fish or chicken. That'll be net grams of protein on it. And I douse it with some of my Primal Kitchen salad dressing, which is a mm-hmm. healthy fat avocado-based dressing. End of the day... That might be 600 calories. I mm-hmm. doubt it. Typically 450, but it might be 600. I might have a handful of macadamia nuts later on in the afternoon. 
call it 150. Now I'm at I'm at 800 calories right there. Mm-hmm. And then for dinner, I'll have a small piece of steak, some grilled vegetables, and a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think I get 2,000 calories a day. And for the longest time, I thought, you know, I do all of the Benedict Harris uh, calculations and how much, you know, how old am I and how big, how tall am I and what's my basal metabolic rate and what's my work activity and how do I factor that in and how much training am I doing? And I come up with these numbers like 2,500, 2,600, 3,000 calories a day. Bullshit. I get by on 30 or 40% fewer calories now than I ever did any time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel better. And here's the most important part. I'm not hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, so if I'm hungry, I'll eat. Damn it. You know, if I'm hungry, I will eat. But the one of the best things about being keto and being fat adapted is your hunger, your appetite, your cravings dissipate. And so hunger right. no longer dictates how your day goes. It's right. amazingly empowering. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that's that's an amazing thing because you're not you don't become obsessed with food or when your next meal is, you're not feeling the, you know, that insulin drop or that you know, hormonal hunger. And you just feel like a, you know, just real steady state, you know, calmly going through the day and you're not, you're not being driven emotionally by food swings or, or emotional swings, you know, based on food. Exactly. That is powerful. Very cool. So you start, we only have a couple more minutes, but you mentioned uh, your daily ritual. I get that. So we got a good picture now about how you eat. Now I know training is also another big, so we've talked about sleep. Sleeping's critical. Eating this way is critical, and then training. So, what what's your you know one minute take on on training to support a, a, a you know metabolic flexibility diet? Well, I mean, I um, first of all, I work out fasted every time. Mm-hmm. The only thing I I, sh- I I should say sometimes I don't, but I'll I'll have a collagen supplement before the workout. Right. Um, but I, it's, it's a, a different kind of protein, and it, it I'm trying to repair tendons and ligaments. So that's my my focus there. The work that I do, you know, I wrote a book, we might've talked about it in, on our last podcast called Primal Endurance, mm-hmm. which yeah. is how to truly train for endurance efficiently, become good at burning fat and not tear yourself apart. Uh, and we use a number 180 minus your age to as an aerobic limit, an upper limit for training. Mm-hmm. So I'm 64. I'm supposed to train at, at 180 minus 64 is 116 beats a minute. I train around 120, 125 beats a minute as a max number for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I lift heavy twice a week. Okay. Um, I might do one one leg day once in a while. I might if on and off. One week I'll do a heavy leg day. The next week I'll do a sprint day because I always have to carve out time for my ultimate frisbee game where I'm. I'm truly sprinting hard for yeah. a couple of hours. So a lot of the work I do in the gym is contemplated to allow me to do that without getting injured or beat up. Right. And I, you know, and I feel like I don't train that hard and I I feel very efficient and uh, you know, low body fat and high strength and and you know, strong immune system and You're not sleep get, and getting out in the road and pounding out any mileage on the Oh my god. I was a career bike. runner. I ran 100 miles a week for 7 years. Oh my god. And um I haven't run a mile in 15 years. Yeah, I I've, now I've run I'll run six miles in that frisbee game, right. you know, sprinting and changing direction yeah, and a, jogging back and forth. Yeah. But I haven't put on you know a pair of shoes to go out and run a mile for 15 years. You know, it's interesting. I, I know you were in Greece recently, and I want to talk about the food there real quick. But I, I went over there to do this uh, event where we rucked from Sparta to Thermopylae. We brought we brought some vets with us who were suffering from PTS. It was an incredible event. But in the middle of this thing, so we're rucking, you know, 
20 some odd miles a day. And uh, rucking's fine, you know, with load, you can walk, you know, once you, you get through the first couple of days and the reality sets in, you can walk forever, even though it's uncomfortable, especially my feet. But um, in the middle, we threw in a couple of half marathons and that's what worried me. I was like, holy shit, you know, I haven't run like you. I haven't run much. And when I was in the teams, we ran all the time, long distances, short distance, medium distance. Yep. And I just done more of the CrossFit style 400 and 800 meter sprints the last five or six years. But I tell you what, you know, once I got into the, the the rhythm, it was a piece of cake. You know what I mean? So the training works, right? You know, you can. Well, you well, so you train for life. Works. Yeah, you train for yeah, life. Yeah, you train right? for life, and then if somebody throws a ten k or a half marathon your you way, do it. you can do it. Exactly. You're competent. I agree with that. Yeah. Now I also thought thought a lot about the Mediterranean diet while I was over there because when I, you know, Greece seemed like a paleo, almost keto diet. There was a ton of fat. You know, maybe a little bit too heavy on the protein, and I didn't really like their meats. But um, you know, those those uh, salads were just incredible, and the olive oil. Yeah. And so, what do you think yeah. about the Mediterranean diet? And you know, that is that. Do you think those people are kind of naturally metabolically flexible just because of the diet and the? Lifestyle? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I do too. First of all, I, I do because of the quality of the food, right. not just you know the choices of what they put. You know the. Lots of tomatoes and olives and salad and, you know, lettuce and things like that and, and feta cheese yeah. and olive oil. But it's the quality of all those ingredients. Yeah. And then it's the small portions. If they do have, you know, uh, pasta or yeah. bread, it's great bread. It's great pasta. And they don't eat a lot of it. They, they just, you know. And they're always they walking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And they're always walking. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I noticed it's five. You got to get going. Um This has been extremely interesting. I know people are going to love it. People can learn more about you. At Mark's Daily Apple, right? Is that uh, is yep. that MarksDailyApple.com? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Primal. And the, the book is the, the book is the Keto Reset Diet. Keto Reset, and diet. you can go to re, you could go to ketoreset and you can order from your favorite purveyor of books there. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll be down doing your summit uh, December first, and very much looking forward to that. Likewise, it's coming right up, man. I yeah. Know. And we'll have fun. We'll talk about all this stuff, and we'll go into greater depth and do a do a big Q and A there. It'll be good. Awesome. It'll all be about performance. Yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to that. All right, Mark. Thanks so much for your time. Super stoked to have you. Good luck with everything. Let us know how we can help, and we'll see you in December. Thanks, man. All Take right. Care. Take care now. Bye. Bye. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the U.S. <laughs>